His favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may His favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children to see a song like this impact at this point of my life just feels like just so beautiful to get to watch God, you know, whisper something to your ears and you start to be brave and sing it out and it, you know, turns into a song and then it just goes all the way around the world and then I'm <laughs> just like, I'm undone. It just feels like such a beautiful honor to get to be a part of something that the heart of God wants to do for people. It's so fun. The Profile. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. Hello and welcome to The Profile, here on Premier Christian Radio with me, Megan Cornwell. This is the show where we delve into a person's life, faith and ministry, and it's brought to you in association with the UK's leading Christian magazine, Premier Christianity. If you would like a free copy of the latest issue of the magazine, head over to our website, premierchristianity.com. Today on the show, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by the wonderful Carrie Job. Her hit worship song, The Blessing, went viral earlier this year and has been considered anointed by many. I caught up with a worship leader to ask her how the blessing came about and what God has been teaching her during this pandemic. Listen in. Well, look, Carrie, um, I've got to start by asking you about that song, The Blessing. You know, it's it's gone viral. Um, so many people are talking about it. What does it feel like to know the impact that that song is having? It's really beautiful. It's been, it's been really... Um, Honestly, it's felt like a gift in this whole pandemic season um, because I think for our family, not only just singing it over my babies and them, they, they've learned to sing it back to me. And like my little one and a half year old will sing the amens with me. And it's just my, my favorite thing. Um, it just feels like a gift though to read comments and DMs and emails and all the things of what people are saying and how it's helping them have peace, how it's helping remind them of the heart of God for them. And, you know, like doing ministry and hearing that that kind of feedback is so impactful and, and encouraging, you know, so it's been a really sweet gift for our family. Well, I, I have a confession to make. I, um, I had the coronavirus really badly in March and I was in a very dark place and, um, a very good friend of mine sent, sent me your song and I had never heard it before. And I have to tell you, Carrie, it had a huge impact on me in terms of my journey of healing. I went from being, you know, I was nearly hospitalized. I was very, I was very sick. Mm. And I listened to that song and it just brought hope back to me. You know, I was just reminded of the truth of God um, that God was with me and for me. And it just played a massive part in my healing. So I wanted to thank you for that. Gosh. But I'm sure that you have heard many, many testimonies like that. So when you hear those kind of stories, what is that like for you? 
Oh, I just, I just get very emotional. Um, it just means so much because, you know, we all are living our lives in pursuit of the presence of God and, you know, holding on to the word of God for dear life. And, you know, like some of the things that come my way are so difficult. It just, it means the world to me because I just feel like, you know, doing ministry and being a songwriter and leading worship for all these years. I've been leading worship for like well over 20 years now, which is crazy, you know, but to, to see a song like this impact at this point of my life, it just feels like just so beautiful to get to watch God, you know, whisper something to your ears and you start to be brave and sing it out and it, you know, it turns into a song and then it just goes all the way around the world. And then, you know, like you're in your bed and just weeping and letting the Lord minister to you. I just, I'm just like, I'm undone. It just feels like such a beautiful honor to get to be a part of something that the heart of God wants to do for people. It's so fun. I mean, it is phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, you've had the video online has had like 29 million views. The UK version is like 4, 4 million. I mean, it's it really is phenomenal how it's taken off. My theory is that during the pandemic, Christians have felt a bit lost. You know, at times we wondered where God is in all of this. And I think the blessing with its lyrics taken straight from scripture has just reminded us of the goodness of God. Um, you know, he's it's reminded us that he's with us in our weeping and our rejoicing. Would you, would you agree with that, with that sort of assessment? A thousand percent. And I think something that's been really um, like the the truth of it, of it coming out like a week before the pandemic began to just sweep across the globe. I think there was something for all of us of like, okay, God, you were, you already knew, you know, we know that we know that because we read that in scripture, but it's another thing to have to walk it out to to know in our own heart, like, okay, God, you're, you are in control. But those little things like that, to me, are like gifts from the Lord of, of him saying, hey, I've, I've already gone before you, just like I say in my word. And I think that's part of maybe why that song has meant so much to people, just the timing, you know, just the Lord saying now, right now, because we, we, we wrote, sang it and put it out in 10 days. And then a week later was when the pandemic swept across the globe. And it was, it, we just looked at it going, God, thank you that you just gave all of us something tangible to hold on to in a season that just feels so hard and unknown. Mm. And well, tell me about the process of writing it, Carrie. Did you feel at that time when you're producing the song that, that it was something special? It, or was it just simply once you started to get the feedback across the world? That, that you sort of realized the impact it was having? Yeah, we, I mean, it felt really sweet that day. Um, you know, sometimes you, you write a song and you're like, there's something special, it feels sweet and like special to, to be singing this. But um, it wasn't until that weekend that we did it at Elevation Church when we saw the response in the room, which was the last time for us to be in the room full of people. Um, which who knew that was going to happen, you know? And so, and then we started seeing like on social media that day, people reposting 15 second clips. And I remember that night, Cody and I just sitting in the hotel room, 
watching all these people like spread these 15 second videos saying, where can I find this? Where can I go watch this? Where can I hear this? And that, that fed into us help, kind of helping us make the decision of we need to, we need to get this out right now. For some reason, people are wanting this and we need to obey the Lord. And so just crazy. Let's talk a bit about your journey to faith, Carrie. So you uh, became a Christian at five. Is that right? I did. Yes. Wow. (laughs) What was it about Jesus that convinced you at that age to that he was worth following? Um, So I grew up in a Christian home. My parents did ministry. And so I was in different like sweet little Baptist churches um, a lot when I was a little girl. I remember hearing the gospel a lot when I was little. And when I was five, I was in like the little kids ministry and they were doing flannel graph, like um, a little story with these little like stick on flannel things on this board. And something about them sharing the story of Jesus and how he wanted to live in my heart, it just clicked for me. And I remember like, oh, the Jesus my mom and dad talk about, he wants to live in my heart too. And so I just remember it being a really impactful morning at church and then of course probably like most everyone else I got saved every summer at kids camp and you know thinking that I had to like rededicate my life to the Lord until I realized like no I'm saved and um, I got filled with the Holy Spirit at 10 and that began honestly when I was 10 is when I I started feeling in my heart that I wanted to do worship so I was really impacted by the presence of God really young and I'm very thankful for that. So that was the start of your your worship ministry at that, even then at a, at a very young age. It really was. Um, when I was 10, I remember telling my parents, like, I want to write songs. I want to I want to write songs about Jesus. I want to help people connect with who God is. And um, I, I got to lead worship in our like uh, kids ministry. Uh, my first worship list was kind of a comical worship list. It was like, Bingo, the the dog song, B-I-N-G-O. I think it was John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt, that like pub song. (laughs) And my parents were like, Carrie, these songs are not about Jesus. And I was like, oh, they're songs that all the kids know. They'll they'll be able to sing along. And they're like, well, that's a good point, but it needs to be about Jesus too. (laughs) So I remember having to like go change my little worship list to turn it into our pastor. (laughs) (laughs) you've talked a little bit about your kids already and and sort of singing the blessing with them do you have any tips for christian parents in terms of uh, worshiping at home oh man we're probably just like everyone else we we put a lot of youtube videos on and um there's times that if if it's real chaotic in the house i'll just say okay we're going to worship jesus everyone in the living room we're turning on worship music and we're going to let the lord just bring us peace. You know, I think it's probably like any other family just having to, you know, help them understand who the Lord is. And um, last night we had a really powerful moment with Canyon, our four and a half year old reading a book about Jesus. And he started to ask more questions and I can tell he's real inquisitive and starting to, he said that Jesus lives in his heart, but also outside of his heart. And I was like, okay, well, um, I want him to always live in your heart. <laughs> it sounds like you're better than me. When I when I say I'm going to pray for you now, my my daughter goes, oh, 
do that. Either. We get some of that too. He's like, I don't want to pray. I'm like, no, we need to pray. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, Carrie, is there anything that you as a family have specifically learned about God during this lockdown? Oh man. I feel like it's something new maybe every week. Um, I've just been really thankful for his peace. You know, there was a lot of fear at the beginning of this pandemic for us. And as a mom, you know, not wanting my babies to get sick, not wanting us to get sick and um, just having to resolve in my heart that I trust the Lord no matter what, you know, and even, you know, getting sick and that just letting the Lord reveal himself to us in those in those moments, um, it's just been really powerful. I feel like I, I grew muscles in the area of trust with the Lord, you know, muscles that I didn't realize I, I really needed. And I could say I trusted the Lord, but we've had to really walk that out, you know, in this season of, okay, God, we're going to trust you in our finance. We're going to trust you in our relationships, missing being at church, missing being in community, you know, all the things you didn't think would ever go away. But um, it's been really, uh, it's been hard, but it's been really sweet in the way of just letting God meet us in that, that place. So I've, not that I've enjoyed this season, but um, he does turn things for our good. I have seen that. Carrie, let's talk about worship in general. Um, so you've got several awards and you've got accolades behind you. What are your top tips for writing worship songs? Jesus. <laughs> Relationship with Jesus, you know. Um, nothing, nothing means more to me than to hear a story, even like what you shared, that a song met you in a place of intense just need, you know. And I don't think that we can write unless we've had those intimate experiences with the Lord, you know, I think that encounter with God is so important to write from encounter, to write from experience, you know, I, I couldn't tell you about a friend of mine if I didn't spend a lot of time with that friend, you know, and it's, it's that way with Jesus, and so I feel like those that want to write, those that want to be worship leaders, it's so important to be friends with Jesus and to have that real, true, authentic relationship and just to trust him with the process, to trust him with, I think for every song that I allow or that I like record or that I like feel led to, to put out there, there's probably five to six songs behind that song that I don't because it doesn't feel right. Or um, there's just been this like worship I've been trying to like get out of my spirit but it doesn't feel like it landed in a song you know so it's just such a process and um we can't rush it and I think out of relationship comes some of the most beautiful beautiful moments and that brings us nicely to talking about your new album so this is also entitled The Blessing why did you decide to produce an album now right in the middle of a pandemic yeah um we were already in process for, for recording this year at some point. And uh, the blessing was actually like the icing on the cake. It was the last song we wrote for the album. And I felt like right before the pandemic, I felt like, oh, I really think that I feel ready to record this. Sorry, can you hear my babies? <laughs> yeah, so 
when the pandemic hit, we weren't going to be able to tour. We just began to ask the Lord, like, what do we do? And I just felt like the Lord was like, I want you to start leaning in on your album. And I remember thinking like, um, no, thank you. <laughs> I don't want, like that felt very, it just felt so unknown. But in my spirit, I just kept feeling like the Lord was like, just trust me, just start to lean in, plan for June and July was all I felt like I heard the Lord say. And um, so we just kept moving forward just however we knew to do it well. We had our pastors involved and just leaned into that wisdom and leadership. And um, and our pastor, one of our pastors is one of the guys that produced it. So um, we just felt like really surrounded with wisdom. So we ended up recording with no people in the room, which is, you know, crazy to record a live worship project without the worshipers in the room. But the live streams for church had been so powerful. And I just felt like, well, Lord, I feel so strongly that the timing is right now. And some of these songs I wrote like a year and a half to two years ago for the project. So I was like, I just felt like tons more time that the songs would lose their potency for this, for the now word that I felt like was in those songs. So I just felt like, well, let's just go for it and see what happens. We got to be really creative, which you can see in the videos. We got to just like create such a beautiful room and all the lighting. And I think some of those creative elements we wouldn't have been able or, or wouldn't have thought to do. I think that's that innovative thing that happens when you have to create something new in a season that you don't know what's going on. So uh, I think it turned out really beautiful. I'm really thankful we trusted the Lord with the timing because even just the the reactions and the responses with first love and your nature already. I just feel like, okay, Lord, it did feel like I was a Noah building an ark in the middle of something that made no sense, <laughs> but you know, you just, I know enough in my relationship with him at this point of my life that I knew I felt like he was saying, please keep moving forward on this. So we trusted him. We went with wisdom and, you know, I feel like it's, it's, it was timely. Well, it's a beautiful new album, Carrie. And uh, so many of the songs I, I feel, both in this album and your previous work, talk about the love of God and the heart of God. Um, is that, that sense of God's love for you and God's love for his people, is that something you've always had from such a young age when you became a Christian? Or is it something that God has been teaching you over the years through the, the vicissitudes of life? I think both, honestly, you know, I love the heritage of, of you know, the, the home I was raised in. My parents always talked about the love of God and the presence of God. So it was always very real and tangible. And I think just growing up, you know, in relationship with the Lord and watching over the years, what that really means as you walk that out, what that means when you're in the nitty gritty of life and the, the hard stuff, when he meets you with his love, when he, when he meets you with his, his, the power of his presence, you know, so I would say both. I think I'm really thankful for growing up like that. You know, mm -hmm. you just, you don't know, I think you just don't know some things about the Lord until you walk through hardship. And I think we're, we're afraid of hardship and we're afraid of the unknowns, but we wouldn't have to cry out for him to be our comforter if we didn't need to be comforted. And we wouldn't have to cry out for him to be healer if we didn't need healing. You know, those are the beautiful things in our relationship with him that change our life and they, they grow our spiritual muscles, you know, to, to 
for the next thing of adversity that we face. And um, I just love that he promises he never leaves or forsakes because he doesn't. And um, it's just a beautiful walk and a journey with him. And for you, what have been some of those hardships? Oh man, lots of things. Um, just a couple of different things. Like when I was in my teens, we had a family member um, in a secret lifestyle and that, that began and he had to go to prison for the secret lifestyle that he'd been living. And it, it accosted me. It was like, it, it astonished me that I didn't, I thought I knew someone and I didn't. And I, I had to learn, God, do I know you? Like, can I trust you or are you going to all of a sudden change your character on me? And so that began a journey of that. Um, just, I think, walking through some difficulties with my family, my sister losing a baby a couple years back. Um, I just, I think you can sit idle in your relationship with the Lord and then those hardships just like make you have to use those muscles of, what do I really believe? You know, I believe this for other people, but I don't think I believed it for myself, you know? But I'm thankful for those things I've walked through because it's made me have to decide what I believe, you know? And then um, about a year and a half ago, my baby, when he was seven weeks old, I was out on a walk, walking around this really beautiful lake here in Nashville and the, the stroller got away from me because my, uh, my other son fell. And when he fell, I turned around to grab him, you know, grab him, pick him up with a stroller rolled and I didn't realize it. And it fell and it actually fell into the water and I had to jump into the water to get my baby. And it was a very supernatural um, thing. I think the Lord really helped me save my baby's life. And that night when I got home, I've never in my life heard the cry that came out of my voice, but it was like a, it was like a mama bear, but also a very angry mama, like saying, that's enough. I'm not going to live in fear. And I just began to cry out to the Lord. I began to just declare over my family that this, that the enemy had to back off, that I wasn't going to live under, under torment and fear. And that, you know, I, it, it really changed my life actually. And watching God just go before me, he provided all of a sudden, all these people appeared from nowhere on the hiking path and helped us get the baby. And I just, I, I looked back and watched how God, he just uses all of it. And if we'll let him come in and heal and do the deep work that he wants to do in our lives, it can change our lives. You know, I could have kept walking in extreme fear from that, you know, become a like helicopter mom. But I've watched God like set me free from fear and torment through that. And out of that came a song called Your Nature, which is on this album. And I was already going through some pretty bad postpartum at the time. And um, it broke it broke a spirit of depression and torment off of me because I was like, that's enough. I'm going to trust the Lord and God's going to go before us. And he, these are his babies and they're my gift. And I'm going to trust him with them and not try to control everything. And, you know, that anxiety that sets in and um, there's still moments of that course but I just love that the Lord he just uses all of it to help us and 
Carrie, just good to go back to worship again and, and your ministry for, for a minute. Um, so in the UK at the moment, it, it, may, it may be the same where you are. Churches are still not able to worship in the traditional sense. So we're not allowed to sing because of the, the you know, the potential um, spread of the virus. Do you have any advice for struggling leaders wondering how to connect their congregants to Jesus at this time? Oh, man. I mean, it's so it's just so difficult. And I, there's a reason the word says, don't forsake the assembling of the brethren, you know, so I think people are so wired for community. But I think the most beautiful thing is that people are leaning in, they are searching online for things that will give them hope and peace. And um, I think for our community, what we've watched is just, we just kept doing what we do online, like we would if there were people in the room, you know, um, and God's been showing up and it, we feel it on our couch. We feel it in our house. It's just been supernatural. You know, I think that whole thing of don't grow weary and well-doing, you know, I really feel like the Lord is just, he's, he's very present. This hasn't changed his heart for his people. This hasn't changed his heart for us having, um, encounters with him. So I, I think as a leader, maybe, um, the hardest part is, is still having those encounters for, for myself at home without the hype, without the, the assembling, you know, but it's such a spiritual exchange, you know, getting in the word, continuing to, to you know, find things that like bring life to me as a leader so that I can lead from overflow. Those things are such a supernatural thing, you know, so I just would encourage those leaders to keep pressing in keep worshiping Jesus, you know, keep that worship on in our homes. And that really does shift the atmosphere. Those days that I feel like, oh my goodness, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I just turn on worship on YouTube and let it just roll and just, it just shifts things, you know? So, but I, I just pray that they feel refreshed in the presence of God and that they're able to keep doing this. Cause I think people are still so hungry. And Carrie, around about this time last year, you and your husband were photographed at the White House and filmed talking about praying for President Trump and the good things that his administration has been doing for faith communities. Um, given the photo and the video were shared on social media prior to your knowledge, do you think or do you feel in any way that, the, that Trump has used prominent Christians, yourself included, to, sh to shore up the evangelical vote? Oh goodness, I have no idea. <laughs> I really have no clue. I'm such a trusting person that when something comes out that you're like, huh? <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, I guess that could be shifted in a way that wasn't meant to be. But uh, it really was such a strong, beautiful day to be with his team and just to pray. The, the reason we went was they asked if we would come and just lead worship in the White House and pray over their team. And getting to pray over Trump that day, I cried the entire time because I just, you know, any leader, God's put a mantle on them to lead. It says he appoints leaders and that he's in control of those decisions. And so it's like, wow, God, he'll use the just and the unjust. You know, he says he reigns on the just and the unjust. And so I don't know, but I do know that, um, I always want to be able to, to be a positive voice. I always want to be able to just, whether it's an evil person or a really righteous person, I always want to go in and 
if they ask me to come pray, I want to pray. If they ask me to come lead worship, I want to go lead worship because it's spirit of God that changes hearts and the spirit of God that brings revival. And so I don't know, but I do know that part. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was kind of a scary, uh, unknown at, you know, after the fact you're like, Oh, maybe we should have been more careful about that, but oh well. <laughs> Carrie, finally, um, what does 2021 have in store for you and your family? Oh, who knows? That far ahead. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I pray that the pandemic is over. Amen. <laughs> my boys can go to school. <laughs> what else as a mom would I like? <laughs> um, yeah, I just pray that this season is over and that we can go on, that we can just forget about 2020. Um, I pray that we can come to London. It's one of my favorite cities. I turned 40 in 2021 and I want to go to London and, it and Italy. So I'm <laughs> praying that I can come. Oh, that's, that's my hope. You know, another <laughs> dream of mine is to come to, we want to do a night of worship in Royal Albert Hall. Oh. I think with what happened with the blessing, I feel like we could do it. I feel like that, it would be a really cool night. That was amazing. Honestly, with, we got a few from different countries, but the, the UK one made us weep. I mean, like ugly crying. <laughs> and I just love the UK. I've always had such a heart for the UK and Anytime I get to lead worship there, it's always so powerful. And just there's just such a reverence for the presence of God in the UK. And I don't know if it's because of the traditional way of doing church there and just revival. And But it's just such a beautiful place to worship God. So it's been beautiful to watch that video. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you so much. And good luck with the release of your new album. Thank you. It's beautiful talking to you. I appreciate it. That's the end of part one of today's profile interview. In part two, Sam Hales catches up with worship leader and pastor Tim Hughes, who organised the UK version of The Blessing, which has now had over 4 million views. Don't miss their fascinating conversation coming up next. The Profile You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. Hello and welcome to The Profile here on Premier Christian Radio. I'm Sam Hells. You joined us for part two. In part one, you heard my colleague Megan Cornwell interviewing Carrie Job about that hit song, The Blessing, that she was involved in writing and putting together based, of course, on scripture and the blessing in the Old Testament. It's a song that's really gone all round the world. And with that in mind, we wanted to bring you a special edition of The Profile now in part two because we're replaying an interview that I did with Tim Hughes. If you cast your mind back, you may remember The Blessing doing the rounds a little bit and actually Christians and churches from all different parts of the world all getting involved in covering that song. Well, The UK Blessing, as it became known, was by far one of the biggest versions of that. Tim Hughes himself even received an award from the Prime Minister Boris Johnson in recognition of it. Tim himself, as you'll hear, is quite humble about all of that and actually is just saying that this was something that lots of different people were involved in, as indeed they were. I think over 70 different churches, worship leaders coming together to cover the Blessing song and put out this UK version of it. But Tim Hughes was one of the people behind it who really created it and pulled it all together. So I spoke to Tim Hughes this is back in May about uh, a worship video which at that point had had over a million hits on YouTube. Well, I can reveal that right now, in December, 
we're looking at 4 million. 4 million people have viewed the UK blessing. And you're going to hear all about the idea, how it came about, Tim Hughes' involvement in it. So without any further ado, let's listen in to my conversation with Tim Hughes. I'm joined now by Tim Hughes. We're here to talk about the UK blessing, which I'm sure you've seen already. It's had over 750,000 views on YouTube alone. It's set to pass a million very, very soon. Um, It's this amazing recording of lots of different Christians and churches coming together and singing a worship song. Tim, what is your reaction to worship going viral? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I I think you know, obviously, this is a fantastic song written by um, a bunch of friends in America. And it's, they just put this beautiful melody to this incredible blessing book of numbers. And this sentiment that God is for us, for his people, for our world. And uh, to be able to gather loads of UK churches, I mean, it's just there's over 65 churches involved that represent hundreds more. And that's just a small little kind of part of God's uh, UK church. But to see them all come together to sing this out over the UK, over the land that God is for them, that God wants to bless people, it is absolutely beautiful. And uh, I think one of the things um, I've certainly been talking about over the last six months is I felt what God is doing in the church in terms of worship is we're seeing a sound of his people singing. You know, there's been lots of worship leaders that God's raised up and that's been beautiful. But I, I think actually the time's coming when God is just raising up his church, the sound of his people. It's not one individual, it's just lots of people uh, worshipping through song. And and I think this is like a a little glimpse of what I believe we're going to see much, much more of. So tell me, where did this idea come from? I know you've been very keen to point out this is is not about any one individual, it's not about you, it's not about any one church, but presumably someone somewhere first came up with the idea. So tell us that story. The first thing I saw of it was um, this thing called the Pittsburgh Blessing. In America, a bunch of churches got together and, and sang this over their city, and it's beautiful. And then I had a call within 24 hours from Pete Gregg and from Nikki Gumbel, and my wife Rachel was also saying, the UK, we should do something. So uh, basically, we thought, let's, let's call lots of friends, lots of different networks, denominations, people, and see if everyone can send in uh, you know, someone from their church singing this song. And uh, then we sort of just edited it all together, the videos, and I mean, it was amazing. I mean, this is, these are musicians who aren't the most organized. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we, we spoke to them all on the Friday and the Saturday and every video had to be in by the Tuesday and everyone got behind it. Everyone said yes. And uh, I just think it's, it's been a beautiful thing seeing it all come together. So tell me a bit more about that song. You mentioned a couple of people from America wrote it. What is it about that song that's so powerful? Because it's not just this, the blessing video you've put together. Loads of churches have sort of suddenly taken this song on. It's only been released quite recently. I mean, yeah. is, is it true that, that God just anoints a particular song for a particular time? What, what exactly are we seeing here? I think so. I think there are some songs that when you sing them or when you hear them, something just shifts and you can't, you can't make it happen. You can't manufacture it. You can't sit down, we're going to write one of these songs. But some songs, you know, we, they, they, they come and go where it just connects in a deep way. And I, I think at such a unique time of global crisis, global uncertainty, uh, spiritual hunger and inquisitiveness, you know, we're seeing in the UK so many people fascinated by prayer and, you know, church online attendance has gone through the roof. I think just this song to know that actually God is for us. Often people think the church is sometimes perhaps not being the best at communicating, you know, 
church can be seen as a place of judgment and kind of what it's against. And, but actually, we, we carry the greatest message known on planet Earth, that God loves us, God is for us, God wants a relationship with us, God wants to bring life in all its fullness. And I, I think this song just carries that in a beautiful way. The message of the video is that our buildings might be closed, but the church is still open. Tell me a bit about how you've seen that both in your church in Gas Street, but also uh, across the country and across the world. How have you seen the church demonstrating that, that we're still open, we're still the church, even if our buildings are shut? Yeah, well, the, the church is never about a building, is it? I mean, that's the New Testament. The church is it's living stones. It's you, it's me, it's us. And that's what I love seeing is that... Uh, the church innovates, it adapts. The, 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 the vision to bless cities, to love cities, to love people stays the same. And so what we've seen, our church in Birmingham, Gas Street, we've, we've partnered and been a part of this amazing thing called Love Your Neighbour. Lots of churches, particularly in the HTB network, but beyond that are gathering together with food banks and phone calls to people who are isolated and vulnerable, hot meals to NHS frontline workers. And, you know, for our church, it's been amazing to see in this crisis, in this challenge, it rise up to really serve our city, to be a blessing. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We're seeing that, you know, we're serving um, hundreds of meals every week. We're getting phone calls from people who, uh, of all different kind of backgrounds, just thanking us for being kind. And again, I think that's what's powerful is with this song, the blessing is we're not just proclaiming this blessing, these words over our nation. The church is demonstrating, you know, just a small group of churches who were recorded in the song. We, we kind of did some um, kind of work on the stats and they would have served 400,000 meals since COVID-19 lockdown. So, you know, the church is doing some remarkable things and it's beautiful to see. Do you think um, people are generally aware of that? I mean, do you think that message has come through in the media that the church is still open and, and serving local communities? I don't think it really has. I think the media hasn't quite picked up on this. And, you know, it's a shame. But I, I think we, church just needs to keep being faithful, keep loving, keep serving. And um, I think many, many people are aware, actually, the church is doing a wonderful thing on, on the local ground levels. Uh, you know, we're part of a sort of citywide food bank, WhatsApp group. And it's beautiful just how many of the people involved are kind of faith groups trying to make a difference. So where do you think this will go next? I mean, presumably you've had lots of phone calls and messages since this, this went live. Um, you know, has there been media interest? Do you think there'll be more follow-up? Do you think there's, there's more to come out of this? Who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm holding it all really, really lightly. I think, um, we, you know, it was released yesterday, Sunday. Uh, it's been a phenomenal response. I mean, what, what we've seen is from both Christians and non-Christians alike, Loads of people have been getting in touch saying, when I watch this, I just find myself weeping. You know, I'm just moved to tears. I think the spirit of God on it, the sense of unity, the diversity, you know, you've got the Coptic Orthodox Church, the Catholic Church, the Pentecostal Church of England, the, you know, AOG. It, it's just stunning. And so um, I guess I feel God's going to do with it what he wants to do with it. Um, I love the fact that no one owns it. It's not about an individual. You watch the video, you know, you don't necessarily know who the people are, but you just catch the spirit of this is the church delighting in God and delighting in these words of blessing over the UK. So I guess watch this space, see what God does, but it's exciting. 
it is quite remarkable how this is be- i mean i guess worship music in itself has arguably been quite a strong force for unity for some time it's often struck me yeah. that we might be in our own different denominations but so often we're actually singing the same songs of worship yeah. Yeah. and yeah. you know there is a lot of bickering and fighting that goes on between uh, churches sadly and yet something like this gets put out and it seems like suddenly overnight we're all on the same page and it does seem to bring people together in quite a remarkable way doesn't it well, I, I think there's something deep within us that wants to feel united. You know, and in Psalm 133, that, you know, God commands a blessing when brothers and sisters dwell, connect, live in harmony. And, and I, I think these songs are just moments where it's like, hang on a sec, you know, we have all these petty disagreements over silly little things. Bottom line is, God loves us and God loves the world. And we want to be a, a conduit. We want to be people who just kind of put the megaphone out and say, God loves you. Um, and so I, I think that's, uh, it reminds us. And, and again, Jesus praises in John 17 that we might be one. So I think it's so deep within us. Sometimes we don't quite understand how deep it is within us. So when we see it, that's why I think people are responding by weeping because there's a deep cry within us to love one another, to connect and to serve. Church leaders up and down the country have been completely changing the way they do church since lockdown began and even before that really with online church I think has suddenly gone from something a few people were doing to now something that almost everyone has to do by necessity. When all of this is over and we don't know when all of this will be over but, but when we get back to some kind of normality if that is even possible will church go back to normal? Well I think this is the big question. I think there'll be some things of course it will go back to normal eventually but I think we have an opportunity and I think this is going to be the hard work but the really essential and important work of church leaders and teams to really think through what what actually needs to change I think the great tragedy would be we all just carry on as we were doing exactly the same things and sort of look back and go, oh, that was a weird kind of year 18 months I think we need to really listen what is God doing in our nation what is God doing in us how can we communicate more effectively what what activity we involved in that we don't need to do so much of how does this change us i mean i i think what we're seeing is this amazing opportunity for god empowering local households to take responsibility for their faith that church doesn't just become this one thing that we go to a building we go to an event we go to but actually let's take responsibility for our faith for our families for our communities just think about you know our, our street that we live on we sort of started up this whatsapp group and i know many in our church have probably many in churches all over the uk have we're connecting with our neighbors in a way we haven't done you know since we moved to birmingham and, and i think this is just the stunning opportunity that church actually should be in some way happening on every street in the UK and if we could live like that that's going to radically change things rather than it's just being one event on a Sunday I think also we're seeing with the online stuff is it's so easy to invite your friends you know come along you know you can try church out from the safety of your lounge you know you don't have that awkward thing of stepping into a building what am I going to meet you know people carry so much shame and so I think this is providing an opportunity to communicate this gospel message in a really easy way and um, we, we've certainly seen significant numbers, you know, coming to faith each Sunday in our services in a way we've not seen previously. Um, we're seeing so many um, friends, uh, you know, family members who aren't Christians engaging each week with our Sundays. Um, and so we've got to think, what does that look like? We, you know, do we try and keep an online presence? Um, but also remembering there's something beautiful when we actually gather together as people you know shoulder to shoulder worship together so 
I think there are some important things that we really need to navigate for the future. There's been a bit of a debate on that, hasn't there? Almost theologically, what, if anything, do we lose when we do church online? There's been fascinating debates about things like communion. Can you take communion if you're by yourself in a house and all you've got is a sort of church leader on a screen in front of you? Um, but, but you hinted at your answer there, saying that you, you do lose something if you're not together in the same room. So presumably for you, this is not going to be a, a, a question of, um, you know, we'll just sort of put all of our um, eggs in one basket with online church we've put all our resourcing into online church for for the long term for you you are hoping to get back to real life face-to-face community uh, do you think that something like discipleship for example really kind of has to happen in a face-to-face context like that well, i think it's both and i mean i think we've seen actually you know we've been launching alpha uh, and i know htb alpha the numbers have gone through the roof online and actually it's working brilliantly we're releasing two you know one or two alpha courses a week uh to engage people so uh actually you know i'm part of a small group at my church and sort of eight guys and actually it's been some really beautiful honest conversations i mean i I think sometimes some people perhaps it's easier you feel like safe in your you know i'm in my home study you're connecting with people all over and you i don't know I, i think there are some things that actually work really well online i think massively can disciple encourage journey with people online but um we are also we're meant to be connected together if our only interaction is online that's not not great because you know that's what i'm missing as a pastor there's so much nuance you miss body language you know just being around people how they're doing you know what's going and 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 the joy you know when you're in church and there's hundreds of people and you're all united singing these songs hearing these messages praying these prayers that's powerful and you can't quite replace that through kind of endless zooms so but 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 i i definitely i i think um some really beautiful discipleship is happening through online platforms so um just tell me a bit about life personally for you uh, being on lockdown at home what's been your lockdown high and your lockdown low so far lockdown high well i i think um i've loved the opportunity to innovate to try new things seeing our church come alive and you know we've seen with our church people praying like we've never prayed before you know that love your neighbor serving like we've never served before you know actually being around our family especially there's a few weeks where it was really sunny it's just beautiful um so there's been some really special moments but gosh there have been some really hard moments where you're worried about loved ones who are sick, uh, you know, the, the kind of chaos and the trauma that's happened globally, moments where you feel just suddenly flat. <laughs> you know, I think that's why I talk to most friends. It's like, there's a lot more up and down, you know, you just feel, oh, where's this going? Where's this going to finish? You know, another day, it's like Groundhog Day. Um, you know, we're homeschooling four kids, you know, you, I've been hearing them scream in the background. Um, you know, I just come from teaching English and you know vowels and you know plural. Sim, you know, sim, <laughs> you know I, didn't, I didn't sign up to do that. <laughs> so there's some definitely some testing moments in all of that. But that's that's again beautiful. I think that's why, in some ways, this is a beautiful subject moment because it's brought the very best and the very worst out of society, and it's brought the very best and the very worst out of me. And it's an opportunity to reflect. And say, wow, where's that coming from? What? How do I invite God into that mm. ego has, or frustration or whatever? Has there been anything in particular you felt like God's been challenging you on or speaking to you about specifically in this time? Yeah, I, I think it's been uh, a real thing around actually prayer and worship. I'm always going to say worship, but <laughs> I, I genuinely think that because I, I, I think 
And I've been, again, I've been saying this a lot and thinking about this a lot around the role of a worship leader and a worship pastor, and in many ways the role of any senior church pastor, is not to provide a moment of connection or entertainment on a Sunday. And I think that's what a lot of our energy goes in, creating this buzz on a Sunday that's going to attract more and grow. That's important. I, I, I see the benefit in that. But the, the role is to equip people so that when they're at home, they can worship, they can read their Bibles, they can pray, and they've got a passion for that. And I, I, I just think that's what God's doing. He's shifting things into, guys, people have got to take responsibility for their faith. Uh, we can't be consumers here. And I think if we can do that, um, we're going to see the church awakened in this nation like never before. Um, much less emphasis on the great preacher, the great worship leader, the great church, but actually much more on households and the individuals getting right before God, praying for God's kingdom to come and just loving people around them. That's what excites me. I think that's what God is doing. And I, I personally want to sort of surrender to that and go with that journey that challenge that kind of work that i feel the spirit's doing in me and others you've mentioned already um there's been reports of the numbers of people logging on to churches yeah. going through the roof there's been some statistics out just this past weekend about prayer on the increase mm -hmm. so tell me presumably you've seen some of that um at gas street at your church mm -hmm. um tell me some of the stories of what you've been seeing locally and um yeah, have you been seeing dramatic increases in attendance? So what are some of the opportunities and challenges yeah. that brings? Because one of the things I've noticed, of course, is this is entirely anonymous. If someone wants to watch a church, they can, but you've no idea as a church leader who they are, where they are. They may not yeah. all be in this country. So I, I imagine follow-up becomes quite tricky. Yeah, I mean, that, that's partly the challenge. You don't fully know where this all goes, but we, we've seen, I mean, a few things we've seen on the last four Sundays, um, 60 70 people give their lives to jesus christ wow um you know which is more than we'd usually have you know um and then and, and a lot of those are funneling through to alpha i mean again yeah not everyone's watching from birmingham they're people tuning in from all over um so that's been really encouraging and, and we're getting lots of stories of people you know my, my mum's watched it you know like one of our staff been praying for the mum for years become a christian you know she tuned in on easter sunday and off the back of that said i want to do alpha you know that's these are great moments we're seeing replicated um <clears throat> so that, that i think the, the salvation has been really exciting and then as i said we, we, we've been trying to increase our prayer muscle as it were as a church as a community because we strongly believe that's the best thing we can do and you know we launched um 24 7 prayer four or five weeks ago and so the church has been virtually 24-7 in prayer. Since then, we, we've prayed well over a 1,000 hours of prayer. That's going to change us. That's going to mark us. That's going to change the city. Um, and I, that's, that's, I guess, the challenge, isn't it, that we don't, oh, now we close it down. But actually, no, now we keep going. Um, I think that's going to have a massive impact. And as I said, just the opportunity to partner in our city, serving the vulnerable and that's what the church should be right at the front line serving it and, and many people have been doing that for years but i think lots of other churches are really leaning into it as well you and i have both been in um meetings church meetings prayer meetings we've both sung songs about this word the word being revival mm -hmm. um longed for hoped for for decades in this country some have predicted it some have prophesied it some are now saying we are on the cusp of it and mm -hmm. all that's going on is is going to 
is going to bring a dramatic change to the spiritual climate, the spiritual temperature of this country. And what you're talking about of seeing more people become Christians on a Sunday is just, just the beginning of that. What's, what's your thoughts on that? Do you think that that perspective um, will be proven to be true in the coming weeks and months that we will see something quite dramatic happen here and we're just seeing the early signs of it? Or, or do you think we should uh, be perhaps uh, withhold judgment a little longer because we don't know exactly what's going on? I'm an optimist. You know, uh, I, I, I was thinking about the next five years and the next 10 years. So I think God's doing something really special. I mean, he, he has been in the church for the last few years. You know, church has been praying more uh, across the board in many, many churches, hearing much more regularly of people coming to Christ each time. You know, I think they're, they're the early signs of things shifting. And I think you know, whenever something at this scale globally happens, you have to believe God's going to work in and through it. I don't believe God has sent this virus, um, but I believe God can use it to really speak into people's lives. And we're seeing that there's a hunger and an openness. When suddenly everything that you thought was so secure, um, your personal freedom, ultimately, finance, is all been stripped away. You have to ask the big questions. What, what is this all about? And so I think we have a massive opportunity. I always believe God is about to do something remarkable. Um, I think we don't want to get carried away. I always get a bit wary of people sort of predicting dates and, you know, we're going to see this, that and the other in the next year or 18 months. But I think I want to pray like God's going to do something remarkable. I want to live like that. And I, I want to um, serve fully anticipating God's doing something special in our country. Thanks so much for being with us on The Profile. It's been a special edition of the show dedicated to that song, The Blessing. It's a song that's taken the world by storm. Uh, As I said, the UK version of The Blessing now that Tim Hughes was involved in. At the time of speaking to Tim back in May, it had a million hits. Now in December, it's four million. That is a video that has gone viral and has been shown across the country. It's uh, even seen Tim Hughes pick up an award from the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson. So it's a video that's had a really profound effect. And I have to say, in a year of 2020, in a year of pandemic, it's been nice to share a good news story. And I think we can all agree the UK blessing is a massive good news story. So I hope that Megan Cornwell's interview with Carrie Job, who wrote the song, and also my interview with Tim Hughes, has given you a little bit of a behind-the-scenes insight into how these things are done and has encouraged you today as well. We will be back same time, same place next week for more great interviews for you coming from the team here at Premier Christianity. We're the UK's leading Christian publication and we are interviewing people about all sorts of different topics, both in the magazine and right here on the Profile Podcast. If you enjoy these podcasts, we'd really appreciate it if you could give us a rating and a review wherever you got this from. It helps other people to enjoy the show. And if there is an episode you particularly enjoyed, why not share that on social media? Another great way of spreading the word doesn't cost you anything but it really helps us out talking of things that don't cost you anything and that are absolutely free we are giving away the special christmas issue of premier christianity free of charge if you would like our december issue featuring the nativity as you've never seen it before that interview with carrie job and loads more why not head to premierchristianity.com forward slash free sample give us your address and we'll put a copy in the post to you easy as that premierchristianity.com forward slash free sample okay that really is the end of the show now i'm going i promise thank you so much for joining us see you next time